Yeah. All right. Um, so I think there's only really one way to start this, um, and that's by saying that my name's Tash and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and my name is Caitlin and I am not an alcoholic, no. but I will be helping Tash with this whole journey and figuring this out. Yeah, yeah. figuring out why am I like this. So this is an exploratory podcast of self-development, looking at mental health, addiction, and all the things that make you say, why the hell am I like this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think um, there's lots of things that we'll probably cover in this podcast. Mental health is definitely one of them. And that, I think, goes hand in hand Mm -hmm. with substance abuse and alcohol abuse and things like that as well. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, I am going back to work now. Um, I've had a I'm recovering from a broken ankle or quite a severe ankle injury. Um, So I'm back in work now. I'm working for a festival, which is very arts focused at the moment. So it's really exciting. It's giving me a chance to really spread my creative wings and kind of get amongst it again, which is really nice. Um, I was a little bit nervous because this was my first big festival that I'd be working where I wasn't drinking. Mm -hmm. And I sort of thought, I can't possibly do this without my wine armour, like, how am I going to be this exuberant person and how are people going to, you know, interact with me and I won't be funny and I won't be intelligent and, you know, people won't like me. Um, But it's been a really nice surprise, actually. That that first weekend was a little bit daunting, um, but going into the second week, I realised that I'm much more confident than I actually gave myself credit for, which is a nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So one of the things that I think will be my favourite thing about this podcast is that it's really going to be a bit of a journal for you and this journey. I definitely think that's one of the main things that drove me to do this is I wanted that accountability. Um, It's really easy to make promises to yourself and not tell anyone, (laughs) but then I found that I kept changing the rules um, and changing things to suit where I was but I think this is a really good way of holding myself accountable um and also yeah really journaling my my changes like this is the third time (laughs) that we've recorded this first episode and already the the difference in how I feel now to you know three months ago is it's unbelievable I feel like I'm a lot more calm and realistic about (laughs) this journey already yeah and then hopefully we'll pepper in some interviews from other people. Yeah, yeah. I'd well. really love to hear from some other local creatives or, you know, people in the industry who also really struggle with mental health and addiction or whatever it else it is. And I think it's it's really important for me that this podcast is it's not a pity party. Mm-hmm. It's not about all the terrible things that happen in life. You know, we all go through shit and everyone's really fighting a hard battle. But but this podcast is about showing that we are the way we are despite our pasts and not because of it. And I think that's so important to remember, like a lot of people can get really caught up in these experiences that they've had and things that have shaped them. And while it's really important to acknowledge those things, they don't have to define the rest of your life. You don't have to be that person. Um, I'm on a mission to change who I am and hopefully you can all come along with me. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So I think a really good place to start, and this is so cliche, is at the beginning. Mm, yes. What is the beginning of your journey in all of this? I um, need to stop saying that word. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the beginning is actually fear mm-hmm. um, from quite a young age that I would have a drinking problem. Um, and I guess that's from 
people in my life that I had around me and problems that I could see that they had. And it was this really terrifying, I didn't want to be like that. Um, And I wanted to be different. But I guess it's when you focus on something so much, I feel like I almost drove myself to it. Um, Yeah, like I think I manifested my own destiny in in a way by just sort of, oh, I'm going to turn out like that and it's, you know, my future is already written and that kind of um, ideals. And I think I knew I had a problem with alcohol from probably 16 onwards. Um, Definitely by the time I was 18, 19, it was fairly out of control. Um, But at that stage, you know, you're, you're a teenager, so your friends and the people around you are all laughing with you and you know you're a party girl and you're like queen of the dance floor and the party doesn't start until you walk in and <laughs> all of that and it's all fun and games mm. um I guess unless it's you who's throwing up for the next three days um yeah it was it's definitely been a long journey and it's one yeah that is still very confusing that I'm still trying to work out how I did get here and how I'm going to get out <laughs> yeah so when we first started talking about doing a podcast together, mm. it was well into the fringe, which yes. is a very, like, heavy yeah, drinking manic. time. Yeah, totally. manic's a good word for it. Yeah, <laughs> That's how I feel. What made you, from that initial conversation, it was very much like, ah, oh, well, like, a joke of, we'll have Stitch and Bitch and we'll record the conversations and that'll yeah. be a podcast. And I was like, I'll produce it for you. Yeah. And then two weeks later, you're like, about this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what made you decide that a podcast is the form to do it and what led to being this is what the podcast will be about. Well, I guess I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, that's something for me that really helps with my anxiety. Mm. I've got a very, very overactive brain. Um, I really, really struggle to turn it off and things like mindfulness and meditation and just trying to chill <laughs> um, are really difficult for me. And that's something I struggle with a lot. So podcast is definitely something that I use to try and um, unwind a little bit. And I listen to a lot of murder podcasts and things oh, like that. That's I know I that's don't. not your thing. I'm like the one person in podcasting <laughs> who does not listen to true crime. I know. I just it's fascinating to me, okay. and I, I really am like that true murderino. You know, I've loved it since I was um, young, and I don't know what that's about. It's, I think it's just a coping mechanism. You know, if these people's lives are so much worse than than mine, it maybe makes me feel not so bad. Okay, I'm not sure. I think that's part of it. Um, but I also listen to some great recovery podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and. A lot of them are by men, which is totally fine. Um, And I found a lot of them are by women. But, you know, through this journey and through my experiences with Alcoholics Anonymous as well, I found it's quite difficult to find people of a similar age to me who have a similar experience. Mm -hmm. I'm 27. um, So this is, yeah, something I've been battling for over a decade now. And I think it's for a long time it's been classed as sort of like an older problem yeah you know um like mums and you know busy stressful work husbands and you know we've all got an idea in our head of what we think an alcoholic is um and I guess there's so many different variables on that and I would just like to explore that um whether it's myself through other people we talk to I just like to hear some experiences from other people and see if we can find some common cause as to why we are like this and how we can hopefully help each other out of it. I think now's a really good time to state that we are not professionals. No, yes, absolutely. This is all just opinion um, from our experiences, Caitlin's experiences. Yeah, we we do not um, 
give any advice here. If you do think you have a problem or you're struggling with anything, you should definitely reach out to a professional. Um, I will just say as well, this is probably an an odd thing to say, but I actually found that going to my friends um, when I had my initial worries wasn't actually very helpful at all, especially when I was younger, because I was very concerned. I, I knew that I was drinking my feelings. I knew that there were, you know, I wasn't just doing it for fun and for a laugh. And my friends, when I brought it up to them, were very quick to dismiss it and, oh, Tash, don't worry. Like, you know, you're the party girl. It's fine. Like, you're 18. Of course this is going to happen. Like, it's okay. Don't worry. Um, You know, and I know that they were probably just trying to (laughs) look out for me and maybe I had a reputation as being a drama queen and that's by the by. But it it made it really difficult for me further down the line to accept it. once some other people sort of started telling me that it, I had all the excuses ready, you know, no, I'm a teenager and I'm just fun and you don't know me and all of that. Um, yeah. So I am not an alcoholic. No. I don't think I've ever had issues with alcohol before. Yeah. What's your relationship with alcohol like now? Now, I think it's, oh gosh, I hate this because it makes me have to like self-analyze. Yeah. That's not the point of this. <laughs> uh, I think it's... I think I grew up with um I, I love my mother and we're gonna talk about her. I'm so sorry, Mum. Uh <laughs> grew up with someone who didn't drink when she was young because she had very religious parents. Mm. And as a like a result of that, when she started drinking, she started drinking when she was like fifteen. Mm. And was, was that a rebellion? Hundred percent. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and it continued to be that. Um and then seeing that compared to my father who didn't drink a lot, was always the designated driver sure. to a mum who, like, wasn't a problem per se, mm. but you could tell that, like, oh, okay, mum's had a night. Like, yeah, and would you, how would you feel? Would you want to avoid her if she'd been drinking or was she very funny maybe or? Um, I think she was okay when she was drinking. I think now when, uh, the only moments I remember when I was older, was yeah. when I was older and was aware yeah. that, like, ah, oh, she's had a couple of drinks. It's just the way that her that she's reacting to that. Sure. Um, but when I was younger, I vividly remember, like, us picking my mum up from, I think it must have been a night out with friends or something like that, and her just being like, do not talk to me, because mm. she would just have a very massive hangover. Yeah, right. And now that she's older and I'm older, we've had conversations around her where she's like, I've noticed that I'll be standing in a room full of friends and we'll all be drinking and I'll finish my drink way before everyone yeah. else. <laughs> Relatable, Yeah. <laughs> And I think growing up with that and then growing up with my father, who wasn't a heavy drinker, mm. gave this nice balance of, oh, I know what that looks like and I know what that looks like. Where do I fit among that? Yeah. And my parents, when I was growing up, were never like, drinking is the devil's juice. Like, sure. you can't not. <laughs> yeah. So it was always a kind of positive, not yeah. even positive, but just like neutral. Totally. My yeah. parents are in the wine industry, so I was yeah. surrounded by alcohol from, you know, the day I I was born, really. Wow. Um, So it was always, yeah, in our house. It was very, very common. And it's not something that we really gave two two shits about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, fair. But that being said, I don't think I know a lot about alcoholism and the side effects or the signs of it. Uh, And other people listening may not know that as well. Yeah. So if we start off with a nice little definition. Yeah. Well, I think that this is definitely something that's kind of wild since I've um, started this. I keep accidentally outing people as alcoholics. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's really cliche, and this is what they say, is when you quit drinking, one of the first things you notice is that everyone around you has a problem. And in Australia, I think that's that's so, so true, and it's absolutely insane to me. Um, you know, in my first, I would say... So I'm 
10 and a half months sober now, which okay. is amazing. Um, so I think we did our first when I was just about nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that first, I think, three or four months, I, everyone I looked around, I was like, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. Oh, my God, you've got a problem. Um, and I started having conversations with people and, you know, a few people were like, oh, shit, like, yeah, I, I relate to everything you're saying. Maybe I do have a problem. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, everyone needs help and everyone is locked into this horrible lifelong disease of alcoholism, but there's definitely problematic drinking. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people in my life and I'm sure in your life who struggle with that. Oh, yeah. um, and I guess, yeah, what does that look like? Yeah. And also, like, how do you respond to it in kind? Like, if you recognise that a friend of yours has... Yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you do that without being like, oh, you're drinking too much, and, like, becoming that yeah. nagging friend? Um, but more of a place of, like, no, I actually care about you. This yeah. is an issue. And that's, well, that's what I said to a lot of my friends. I was like, why didn't you stop me? Like, I was so obviously out of control, you know, like, these horrible instances would happen, and it was that they were clearly driven by alcohol and that was clearly my issue and it's not fair of me to take that out on anyone else it's nobody else's responsibility to to you know quote unquote stop me um and I guess I felt a little bit like betrayed and alone in that um but that's just part of the realization that because you are alone in alcoholism like you did that to yourself and you do that because of the demons inside you like no nobody forces you to drink you know like obviously peer pressure whatever but you make that choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess it's hard because my friend said, you know, we, we did try and tell you, like we did try and stop you early on and you laughed it off, brushed it off, shut it down. I lied my way through everything and I was such a high-functioning alcoholic and, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute, but there's a lot of different types of alcoholism and I think mine <clears throat> was very high-functioning and I was able to get away with a lot and drink a lot at work and in public and during the day and at family events and school events and whatever and largely it went unnoticed um and I think if you see a friend like that with struggling I mean it's hard but the most important thing is to get them to do some self-reflection I guess and there are some wonderful you know quizzes and symptoms and things you can do online that are kind of are a bit eye-opening I guess to those kinds of things things that that person might think are normal and everyday but actually are Big red warning signs. (laughs) Um, So there is no easy definition. So I guess we'll talk about some of those big red warning signs. Yeah. Um, Do we just want to go through them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, cool. So the first, and these are from? I think this is from the Alcoholics Anonymous website. Okay, cool. So the first red flag they list is saying you have a problem or joking about alcoholism. Yeah. So I think that's really common, especially for people our age. Mm. It's sort of like, ha I'm such an alcoholic. Yeah. Lol. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> you are and you need help. Um, yeah, I think people that can kind of joke about that. And I used to joke about it all the time. Yeah. I, I had a giant novelty wine glass that Oof. was, oh, my God, it was 30 centimetres, like the actual bit that you put the liquid in yeah Wait, no that's yeah. massive yeah so uh, so I think it was about a meter all up and it had this huge stem you know uh-huh. and I would fit three bottles of wine in it and it would still not even be a third of the glass and then I would drink it like yeah. I would spend one day drinking all of that and then joke and tell everyone that I'd only had one glass of wine you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah ridiculous uh, not keeping up with major responsibilities at homework or school that wasn't so much of an issue for me yeah um I always get shit done regardless, mm. but I know 
yeah, if you find yourself putting things on the back burner or procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinating so that you can go out and have a drink or be hungover, it's another, yeah, sign. Uh, Lose friends or have relationship problems due to drinking, but you don't quit alcohol? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how relevant that is to me. I've actually lost more friends in the sobriety journey. Yeah. Um, just through working out that actually people weren't healthy for me and things like that. But yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's that's a tough one. It really depends on your friendship circle, I think, and whether your friends are party animals and encouraging you to go out or not or whether it's you. Like I was the enabler in my friends. You know, I was the one that was dragging everyone to the pub and they would happily all sit on the couch and hang out and I was determined that we would go to the pub and no such thing as a quiet drink with me, you know. <laughs> Um, need alcohol to relax or feel confident. Yeah. I mean, that's just, for me, that's like a given. Yeah. I feel like, doesn't everybody need that? <laughs> like, what do you think? When you're in an event, like, if you, okay, let's say you're at a launch. Yeah. And there's a bar and it's free alcohol when you walk in. Yeah. What do you do? Do you go straight to the bar? Do you look around for someone to talk to? I think I do a mix of both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the bar is definitely the crux of that. And is that um, a comfort thing? Like... I guess so. That and it's a thing of just having something in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Same with smokers, I think, who are quitting yeah, to smoke. Okay. Like, they need that, uh, something Tangible. in their hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's uh, funny in hindsight, because that's how I first met yeah. you. Yeah. Like, totally. vividly being like, I remember grabbing a drink and then going over to her. Yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> very funny. It is very now funny. Now knowing all this context. Yes. Because um, that was one of my first sort of sober events, and yeah, I was okay. very unimpressed with <laughs> everyone drinking and I was very frustrated by that. And yeah. 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 Did we talk about that afterwards? I think so briefly. <clears throat> it was, yeah. Yeah. When Tash and I first met, it was very much a thing of, come be on my show. <laughs> yeah, she just but, sort of approached me. and <laughs> Yeah. There was a lead up to that. Yeah. I'd seen you at a certain store that sells oh, soap yes. and was like, this person <laughs> seems really cool. And then I saw you across the room and was like, I'm going to get to know this person. Yeah, and I was in a big moon boot then, wasn't I? Yeah, like big, sitting against yeah, the wall. On my little stool with my broken leg. Yeah, it's okay. We talked about books. I like weasels yeah. my way in. It's yeah, fine. you did. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, honestly, that is not to say that grabbing a drink and talking to someone will help you. No, but, but that's the point, isn't it? Like, that's what people think. And yeah. it's like... Well, I can't go over there. I can't break the ice. And it's mm. it's also a way that people make friends. Like, oh, can I get you a drink? Yes. Or would you like to go to the bar? And what are you drinking? What are you having? Like, it's a conversation starter. It's a like an icebreaker. It's a norm that a lot of people do. You know, like, I find it very awkward when people offer to get me a drink and I, no, thanks, I'm fine. And yeah. sometimes it's fine. And sometimes you really have to dive in and explain to them why you're not. And, you know, a lot of the time that's totally fine but yeah. it's still a little bit awkward yeah and I think sure. it just shows that there's this very big like stigma and expectation around oh no people drink and if you yeah. don't drink then what's wrong with you drinking? Yeah. yeah definitely um moving further down the list <laughs> uh drink in the morning or when you're alone oh my lord so yeah that was like one of my biggest problems yeah um <clears throat> like there was no time that was too early to start drinking mm-hmm. you know um I remember a really grim day a couple of years ago and I was really struggling with like some a major sort of breakdown in my life major relationship breakdown and I was really not coping with anything and I'd had some really bad news um overnight and I woke up at I had work at maybe nine and I woke up at about seven and there was half a pint of wine um on my bedside table from the night before and I just without thinking got up drank it went to the fridge filled up another pint drank it 
not even eight o'clock in the morning, filled up my travel mug, sat myself on the bus, drank it on the way to work, you know, got to work. And my colleagues are like, you are very drunk. Like, <laughs> it is 8.30 in the morning. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, and I guess I didn't even... Like, I didn't even notice. And I know that sounds insane, but I just, it was so much a part of my everyday life and what I did and a part of my, like, routine. And I was so high functioning. Like, Mm. I was still doing my job and, you know, a lot of people didn't notice. People who knew me well would. Um, But generally, people wouldn't even know. That was just sort of part of my personality. So, yeah. And the drinking alone thing is again, like, seems like such an obvious answer to me. I'm like, of course I drink alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't everyone? Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe they do have a glass of wine, but I, it's probably not healthy to fill up, well, it's not healthy to fill up an entire pint glass of, you know, goon from the top of the fridge and mm. drink it in 15 minutes, you yeah. know? It's so odd hearing these stories because I've only ever mm. known you. Sober. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, like for a while there, you were sending me screenshots of like the yeah. Facebook memories yeah. and just being like, "This is not the Tash I know. This is yeah. crazy. Like this is a whole other person." Totally. Um, have you found that there's been a lot of people who knew you then, know you now, and have seen that change? Um, I guess this podcast is sort of my, I guess, coming out. Yeah. Kind of. Um, <laughs> so not that many people know at the moment, which is really interesting because mm. there are people who haven't who I've noticed that without me pushing hey come to the pub come catch up let's go for a drink let's do something without me driving that we have no friendship okay like there is at least you know six seven people who I have not heard from in almost a year yeah because I haven't driven that drive for a drink like they would never oh do you want to come to this show or do you want to do this or do you want to do that and Mm. and that's sad but it's also a realization that I had to have um that maybe those friendships weren't really based on friendship. They were yeah. just based on me not wanting to drink alone. <laughs> I get that. And it's a thing that you find quite often, at least in Australia, especially with young people. Mm. Like there was oh, the season of 21st. Oh, my God. We all, we all go through yeah. that, like the season of 21st. And then I guess 30th for me is coming yeah, up now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But you have like months in a row where mm. you're seeing people like exclusively on the weekends because you're at a drinking event. Yeah. And now looking back at it, I think, it's not just because I'm no longer living in the southern suburbs and I'm in the city. It's because I'm not drinking with them. Yeah. And that's why I don't see them. Yeah. Uh, and there's just a really weird culture. It's a yeah. very weird culture if you think about it. Do you have any friends that you, I mean, are not worried about, but oh, yeah. who maybe you've looked at before and thought, oh, like, you're having a few drinks there? Definitely. And, yeah. And what do you, like, do you ever have that urge to say something or what would it take for you to say something to that person? I think... It would depend on the level of friendship. Yeah, sure. Like, the people that I do know, I don't know them well enough and I don't see them often enough to be all like, hey, this is an issue. Yeah. It's this thing of I've heard stories from other people and it's I, and this is the worst, but it's not my place. Yeah. But if it was someone I was close with, I'd sit them down and be like... Yeah. Like, I'd hope I'd be able to sit yeah. them down and have that sort of conversation totally. of, like, is something happening? What's going on? How can I support you through this? Yeah. Do you, are you aware that this is a thing? Yeah. Do you yeah. know that you're doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Something, I guess this is a bit off topic, something I was thinking about <clears throat> is how it was almost something I couldn't control. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, obviously that's kind of the definition, isn't it? But I would, you know, there's a, one of my favourite establishments that sells a litre of house wine in the city. <clears throat> it's a good time. <laughs> it's, you know, less than $20 for a litre of wine. Like, yeah. that's great. Um and I would be going up to the bar and I'd go, and my brain would say, you know, 
one small house white, one small house white, one small house white. And I get up to the bar and I go, one litre of house red, please. Damn it. You know, yeah. and it, it honestly would be like I couldn't control myself and the words would just come out and then I'd be like, oh, well, here we are. Yeah. And it was almost like I was, you know, there's obviously some part of me that knows I'm doing it mm. because I want to drink. Like, it's just insanity. Like, I, I think about that now and how much more control I have. Um, but, yeah, it just used to be so out of my control. And if anyone would ask me to buy a drink for them, I would always come back with, two drinks or some shots and a bottle and like because I just encourage anyone to get as drunk as me so that I wasn't the worst yeah did you have that self-awareness when you were intoxicated yeah I feel like I've always known really yeah um I just didn't care enough about myself to do anything about it um and I think like a lot of my drinking comes from that like self-hatred and self-deprecating and I think it's interesting because I think that was a much heavier theme when we did this the first time around. Yes, definitely. Um, Yeah, like a month and a half ago because I know that was my nine months and I was really, really struggling with the idea that, oh, it's not nine months, what a celebration. It's, oh, this is nine months out of the rest of my fucking life. (laughs) Like, I have to do this forever. Yeah. Um, Which is still a bit shitty, but... I'm definitely kind of over that grieving period. It really felt like a loss of my life there for for a while. Um, But I think I'm on the other side now and I know that this journey is going to be, journey, (laughs) is going to be full of ups and downs. You know, it's definitely been awful. Yeah. Um, Truly awful. But it'll get better and it is getting better. Yeah. So, and like, I know I would have my own answer to this. If it is such an awful journey, Mm. what's the point in doing it? Because it's so much worse to be drunk. Yeah? So much worse. I, yeah, I've got my face in my hands. It's, I just can't anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, my body really was giving up on me. Um, I was, the day after a big drinking session, I would be throwing up every half an hour for about nine hours. Um, And, you know, you're not even throwing anything up. It's just like bile and you're just retching and it's just horrific. And, you know, I would go to the doctor and they were like, you have alcohol poisoning. Like, stop doing this. And I thought, oh, but I only had like a bottle last night. And they're like, you still, like, just because you can normally drink three bottles doesn't mean that you can't poison yourself from one bottle. Like, you're unwell, your body's not, you know, processing any of this. You need to stop. Um, and I guess it was the third time in a month that that, that, that had happened and that I just kind of went, nah, I have to stop. Yeah. And I have to stop now. Um, it was, yeah, I, I don't really know what sort of drove that. And then I downloaded an app, um, which I really recommend, uh, which is called just called I Am Sober. Um, and you can log any sort of addictions in there, like sugar, phone, you know, porn, whatever it is, um, enter that in there. And it's really great because you have to check in every morning and night. So you pledge in the morning, um, today I will stay sober because, Mm -hmm. and you write your own little mantra. Um, Mine is, it's not cute anymore and you're going to ruin your life, (laughs) Um, which is, yep, valid. Um, And that's something that I check in every morning and I see. And then at the end of the day, it says, how did you feel today? Like what? You know, were there any triggers? Was it a difficult day? Was it an easy day? Um, and in those first few months, that was really integral to me learning about myself and why I was drinking and what made me feel calmer about it and what set me off. 
And I was actually really shocked to see <laughs> that I drank because I was anxious. Like, okay. That was shocking to yeah. me. Um, and I remember when I told my sister and she kind of laughed and went, well, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, no, but I'm so confident and I'm so this and I'm so that. And then that was when I realised that I am that, what well, I thought I was that because of the alcohol. Yeah. Um, and actually that's when I get the most anxious and nervous is when I'm going out to, you know, quote unquote, be calamity tash or yeah. perform or put that face on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely felt like something I had to do. Yeah. Alcohol, but now I feel like I'm behind the scenes a lot more. I don't go out. Um, but also, it's weird because no one's no, <laughs> no one's noticed. <laughs> you know, like I'm kind of like every now and again I think about um, one of my one of my favorite bartenders at a lo- local establishment here, and I wonder, does he wonder where I went? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, does he miss me? Do they think am I okay? Like, <laughs> well, they don't care about me. I'm just like another, you know, drunk at the bar, but. Yeah, I guess it seems like such an encompassing thing when it's all about you. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, oh, and actually no one notices. Like yeah. no one cares. Like this battle is one you're fighting on your own. Yeah. So, but hopefully I can be, you know, journal this here and hopefully there are some people listening who relate and who maybe think, ooh, <laughs> maybe I do have a problem. <laughs> that might tick some boxes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we want to continue on this list? I mean, what are those sort of big ones? Is there anything that you really relate to Um, as someone who doesn't drink? Ooh. I I think definitely the, the feeling relaxed. Yeah. Or the confidence, which is something we've talked about a bit before. And I guess that's what alcohol does. Like, yeah. it, you know, lowers those inhibitions and makes you feel a bit calmer. It's a, it's a good feeling. Like, yeah. A couple of drinks is a great feeling. Yeah. Um, You know, a litre of wine and 10 shots is not a great feeling. No, definitely not. Mm. Um, Forget what you did while drinking. Um, Yeah, that used to happen occasionally, but also probably more than I thought. Yeah, okay. I guess because I don't remember. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely came with age. Like, the older I got, the less I remembered. Okay. And, and the more I would sort of have blackout drunk periods. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I would sort of feel like I remembered everything. Yeah. I guess that's where I'm at. Mm. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I think that's normal. Yeah. But also my view is completely skewed, so. This is, this is true. <laughs> I think it comes with, like, obviously heavily drinking will lead to a loss of memory. Yeah. And inhibitions and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Um, and as someone who isn't a particularly heavy drinker, so what's like how much would you drink let's say you're at a party what do you bring with you um oh it depends on the party (laughs) which is such a phrase i mean i like either like a six pack or a bottle of wine yeah i think that that's pretty reasonable and i think that's probably what most people would bring yes um i would bring like a goon sack yeah or two bottles of wine yeah or more commonly i would just go through whatever soft drinks I had at home mm. and pour goon in the soft drink bottle so I'd have like you know two liters of wine and yeah. one third solo or something like that okay. and that's what I would bring and I would bring like a six pack of ciders and stuff and then I would leave them in a cupboard and open them all mm. because I like my drinks room temperature and flat um I know and I thought for a long time that that was a personal choice yeah um but now that I look back on it it's actually so that I could slam the drinks down without all that fizz and bloating. Okay. And, it, like, that's not something I consciously did. Yeah. Like, that's just like, oh, that's how I prefer my drinks. But why did I prefer them like that? Like, yeah. oh, so I can drink them quicker. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I would actually, for a long time, I used to 
bring an aerator, like a, a fancy wine aerator with me. And I would run all my ciders and fizzy drinks through this aerator so that they would go flat and I could like skull them. Yeah. And like strawpedoing wine bottles. Like there's so many photos of me around with just a wine bottle and a straw in it. Like, yeah. And, and I already would have had a bottle before I went, you know, mm-hmm. a bottle or two at least. It's insanity. Yeah. <laughs> have you found in the last, so 10 and a half months, yeah. have there been moments where you have looked back and reflected and been all like, oh, that's what that was. That's why I don't do this now. Et cetera, et cetera. <gasps> no, I knew. Like I've always known. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of the worst part. Yeah. Um, is that I am very self-aware. I'm very emotionally intelligent. And so I've been aware of this f- for a long time. Um, and that's almost made it worse because, mm-hmm. you know, you just aren't going to do anything about it. Yeah. And and you want to, you know, and I would scream at myself, like, just, this is on you. Like, just change. Just do something. But I can't. Like, it was, you know, it's an addiction. It's a disease. I couldn't control it. Like, I could not stop. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I was saying to someone the other day, like, I used to get this, um, like, you know when you get hangry? Yes. And you're like, if I don't eat, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. Like, that's how I would get about wine. Okay. Or, like, if I was at someone's house and they didn't offer me a drink, I would just be going insane inside. Like, yeah. even if it was, like, you know, breakfast, I would kind of be like, oh, mimosas? Like, you know, and I'd always be like, oh, Irish coffee? Like, yeah. trying to instigate some way of drinking into this catch-up that I was doing. And mm. if they sort of said, oh, I don't have anything or, like, whatever, right, oh, we should go for a walk. Oh, let's go to the bottle Let's pick up this. Oh, we should go here for coffee. No, no such thing as coffee. Let's order wine, you know. I would trick people out for dinner under the guise of going out for dinner and know we're going to the pub. Like, yeah, it just, it had to happen, you know? And if I'd be sitting there and maybe my glass was empty, I'd get this like jittery, anxious, looking around the room, feeling like very tense, got my legs bouncing and I'm like, I need to go to the bar. When will they stop talking so I can go to the bar? Like, you're not even listening to your friends, you know? Like it's, yeah, it's shitty. I've not been a good friend (laughs) for sure or a good person. So then... If you've always known, Mm. what is the key? Like, is there a key turning moment? Um, I met my partner. Yeah. So my story really starts with her. Um, It's a very complicated situation. Um, But I found out that she was sober when I met her. And that was the first person I'd ever met who was around my age who was sober. Actually, I don't think I'd ever... Apart from my boss and maybe, like, a very few others in my life, I'd never met anyone who was, you know, committed to being sober. And, you know, my partner, she's 29, and I think the longest stint she's done is about two and a half years. And, you know, I mean, you've you've met and interviewed her for your your radio show. But, yeah, she's um, a musician and so very much like me. It's surrounded by alcohol, surrounded by the arts, surrounded by a lot of people who love to drink and... Mm dance and whatever else um so it's yeah it's definitely been difficult for her as well and she's actually written a few cabaret shows about her um struggles which I think is very interesting if you know her now um but I guess she was the inspiration that I sort of looked at her and I thought you know what if she can do it I can do it and that's really what's motivated me and then and then I'm quite competitive with myself. So I guess since then it was like, okay, one month down, let's do this. Yeah. And it was, you know, the countdown I find really satisfying or the counting up, I guess, I find yeah. really satisfying to look at and see how far I've come. Um, at the end of every month, uh, the app I Am Sober makes you log any changes or okay. asks you to log changes. Um, 
And it's really nice like to look back now. I can look back and see, what, you know, month one, the changes were like not so nauseous, like not so sick feeling. And that was about it. Whereas the changes now are like increased productivity, better sleep, like better mental health, better concentration, more functioning conversations with people, you know, better diet, like mm. loss of bloating and weight and doing some exercise. And there's so many things that, you know, go into this sort of recovery journey. But yeah, it's the changes that I see now are so worth it. And they're, they're enough motivation to keep going. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there's a really interesting thing that you brought up then, and it's something that I think we'll continue to explore mm. throughout this. Alcohol and the arts. Ugh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Match made in heaven. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, why do you think that is? Mental health. Yeah. Seriously. Um, I think artists hate themselves. That's a super broad <laughs> statement, but do you know what I mean? Like, I do. I do know what like, you mean. A lot of people in that industry have in my experience, again, these are just our experiences and our opinions, but I've noticed really struggle with like self-deprecation. They don't think they're worth anything. They don't think their work is worth what it is. Um, They have like, you know, anxious tendencies, maybe depression, other mental health illnesses that go along with, I guess, being so vulnerable. Like Mm. being in the arts is a very vulnerable place to be. A lot of the time you're putting yourself out there for all these people to see and I guess judge and make comment on. And I guess being sober and that's pretty terrifying. You just have to sort of stand there and take it all and and accept all that judgment. But I guess when you've had a few drinks, it's so easy to become someone else or put on a face or that little security blanket, I guess. Yeah. I think it's Mm. also because a lot of those spaces, well, a lot of the place, yeah, a lot of the spaces where arts happen tend to be mm. in places that are filled with alcohol. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's the same with the queer community as well. Yeah. Especially in Adelaide. Yeah. Like there are no safe spaces for 18 plus that are not centred around alcohol yeah. if you are queer. Totally. And I mean, that's definitely something that's Im- important to me. Um, so I run a fortnightly community meetup called The Stitch and Bitch uh, at the studio in Adelaide. And you can find that online at the studio <laughs> Adelaide. Um but that's, yeah, really important to me to have a space for people, anyone and everyone, any age group, any skill level to come and have a sober three hours on a Thursday afternoon doing some, you know, cathartic, bedazzling, like Caitlin is currently bedazzling a flamingo. It's totally it's gonna beautiful. Be it's it's going to be a light. It's going to be a light. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it's, I think that's something nice and creative that people can do. Whereas you're right. Like there are so many, oh, you want to catch up. You want to go to a queer night. It's a dance night. It's a disco. It's a themed nightclub. It's not you know, other sort of safe, sober spaces for people. Yeah. Mm. Do we want to talk about the quiz? Yeah. But I remember when I did my first one when I was about 18 and it was a 100-question quiz. Yeah. And I did the whole thing and they were all, again, really simple questions that I could answer very quickly. Yep, 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 nope, yep, 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 whatever. Got my results and it was like, you scored 98%. Like, you're an alcoholic. And I was like, wait, what? Mm. And that really, like, shocked me and I kind of went back through all the questions. I was like, but this is just like standard every day, yeah. you know? And then that's kind of what made me go, oh, oh. wait, like <laughs> yeah. maybe it shouldn't be standard every day. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, that's, that was my little eye-opener yeah. a long time ago. I mean, I had to sit on that knowledge for years yeah. before I really accepted it. Like, yeah. Because I didn't want to change. I was fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was so defiant, you know? Um. We're going to come back to that in a second. But for those yeah. playing at home, I answered less than four. Yeah. Therefore, 
you are I do not, not have trouble with alcohol. Yeah. Wild. Um, do you not think you're fun? <sighs> like, I feel like I have to try to be fun. Okay. But then, well, that's what I thought at the beginning. It's very confusing because it's in – I question myself a lot of, like, what is real? What am I putting on? What am I trying to cover up? What's a face? What's real? Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know. And I'm really still working that out. Um, I think my best friends and my partner and people that I see really regularly would say I was fun. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just because I'm so comfortable with those people that I allow all my walls down and I get a bit, like, silly. Like, I'm silly. I'm a silly person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a bit... Uh, like overdramatic and, you know, we'll do a whole – I like doing little bits. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, whereas I think before I used to think I was fun because I was, like, the party instigator and I was yeah. the initiator. Like, I was always coming up with, quote-unquote, fun ideas for us to do, um, which were mostly just going on drinking adventures and day drinking. Yeah. That was my idea of fun. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure anymore. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. yeah. I'll ask you again in about three months and yeah. we'll see how you feel. Um, it would also be interesting to, like, look at your progress in that app and see, yeah, like, maybe after a year yeah. the highs and lows. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's coming up to a year. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not long away now and that'll also be my one-year anniversary with my partner and I just think that we've both grown so much and mm. the relationship, you know, she came from a relationship with quite an abusive um, ex-partner and that's definitely been really heavy for her and difficult for her recovery um, as well. But I think it's important to have quite specific targeted recovery plans Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So when we first started recording, when we did our first version of this nine months ago, I wasn't in therapy and I was very much, as I said to you, I felt like I was on a bit of a high horse. Yeah. Um, You know, look at me, I'm... Nine months, I was about to say nine yeah. months pregnant. <laughs> we did make that joke. We did make a joke. But um, yeah, like, look at me, I'm nine months sober, I can do this, I can do that. Like, I'm so proud of myself and I'm this wonderful person and yeah. everyone else needs to be accountable and you need to, you all need to get your shit sorted out. Look at me, <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it, you know. Um, and then I had a chat with um, my boss who is also sober and a humongous inspiration and support for me. Um, and she sort of said, look, like, Tash, everyone is struggling and everyone's fighting a hard battle and for a long time you were not ready to be accountable for yourself and you were not ready to listen to others you are not you can't just go around cutting people out of your life because they're not ready to step up yet Mm. and she's right she's totally right and that's given me a lot to think about and it's really changed the way that I think about my relationships with others and the struggles that others have yeah um I guess for me I was so empowered and excited by the progress that I was making that I wanted that for my friends too and yeah. I wanted that for people around me. Um, and I was frustrated. If, if you're not going to help yourself, well, then why should I help you? Mm. You know, um, it was that kind of idea. But but also in saying that, I think it is, I think it is okay for me to kind of distance myself from some people because this next stage of my growth is going to require a lot of self-reflection and a lot of... I don't know, deep diving into traumas and things like that. And I cannot be as accessible for that. Like I do need to, yeah, sort of knuckle down within myself a bit and yeah. reflect. And I, I can't su- I'm, I can't support everyone like yeah. I used to oh, in yeah, that no. way. No, 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 no. Um, one of my 
biggest pieces of advice for most people mm. when they come to me for advice is I'm like, just be selfish, honestly, self-care. You're the only yeah. person in your life who will constantly be there throughout. And yeah. if you are not happy and surrounded by people who are adding to you in a beneficial way, which sounds so clinical, mm. but mm. like in a way that actually adds to you mm. isn't demeaning to you as yeah. a person um, or draining, then... Yeah. Yeah. What is the point? It's just another form of self-care. Yeah, and I, I definitely think we need to do a deep dive episode into friendships and relationships yeah. in regards to addiction and mental health because I think that it's that's huge and I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. Um, but in saying that, if there are things that you would like Caitlin and I to cover, um, if there's issues that you have um, that you'd like to write in about, you'd like to... Uh, us to give you some unsolicited advice <laughs> we can totally do that consider us your not drunk aunts at yeah a yeah family gathering yes yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be your sober aunts yeah at the party sitting in the corner <laughs> and uh, yeah you can you can come to us but also if you'd like to be on the show yeah. or if you'd like to recommend someone to be on the show um we would love that as well we're just looking to talk to people who have any really um mental health or addiction experiences preferably sort of within the arts and the creative community mm-hmm. um and we'd really like to, yeah, take a little look into that, see why we like this yeah. and how can we all support each other better. Yeah. 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 Um, socials. Yes. Uh, why am I like this pod? Yeah. I haven't looked at it in so long and I don't have it logged in on my Instagram because I have too many accounts. So you can follow us on Instagram at why am I like this pod. Um, you... We'll have some content on there soon. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, maybe we can post some throwback statuses of mine from 2010 <laughs> so you guys can see what a mess I was. I imagine it. Uh, should we plug – do we want to plug our own social media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can follow me at Calamity Tash or the Studio Adelaide yeah. or ADL. And then at me at uh, – I never know how to say my own Instagram name. Kelmo <laughs> um, Co, is it? But C-A-E-L-M-O-C-O. I need them more like easily. Yeah, sayable Instagram. <laughs> it's fun to hear how other people. Kalemo. Yes, <laughs> that's how I say. It. It's the first two letters of all of my names, and then just a zero at the end. Sure, because I'm. I mean, a fancy business lady. I've been Calamity Tash for as long as I can remember. Yeah, just because I am Calamity Tash, and I'm on a mission to make my life less of a calamity. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Is that your new Instagram handle slogan? Oh, you know what my slogan used to be. Um, Calamity Tash is sunshine held together with wine. Oh. I mean, it's that was very real yeah. for the time. Yeah. Um, now I think it says that I am r- recklessly optimistic and violently honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a fun way to end this would be I th- we've talked you yeah you have one liners and mantras that change every like two weeks. I do. Yeah, for sure. What's your current one? Um, I really like. Surround yourself with those you love and who love you and rid yourself with those of those who only bring you down. Um, that's pretty important to mm. me right now. Um, but yeah, I've got a, I do have a lot of one-liners. That was like surprisingly warm and honest. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We will see you guys soon. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Thanks for listening. It's um, appreciated. <laughs> cool. Done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Oh. You've been listening to Why Am I Like This? If you've been affected by anything said in this episode, please contact Lifeline at 13 11 14 or www.lifeline.org.au. Why Am I Like This? is a wickedly good production produced by Caitlin Ellen Moore and hosted by Natasha Everly. The Why Am I Like This jingle was created by Annie Siegman and Ryan Martin-John.